Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melissa C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Today is Tuesday, August 11th. 2020. This is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are at page XXVIII, third paragraph, if any feel that as, and we'll be reading one paragraph only. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Way W, 12 traditions, Kathy W. Readers of the text are Leon B., Martha Z., and Allison L. waiting in the wings. And the newcomer greeter will be Mary B., and the host for the second hour is Leslie M. The reference numbers for Monday, August 10th, the 7 a.m. meeting was 15131. That's 15131. One, and the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting was 15132. That's 15132. Okay, the OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Way W to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Way. Good morning, this is Ahoy W., a recovered and recovering compulsive overeater from Connecticut, originally from China. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, 
We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except one to do so would injure them or others. Ten, Continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Solve through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for the opportunity to do service. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Way W. I will now ask Kathy W. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. This is uh, Kathy W. from upstate New York. Uh, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, our, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Six, seven, rather. Um, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Kathy W. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only.
Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Okay, and today we're going to resume our study of the big book. We're on page XXVIII, the third paragraph, if any feel that as, and we'll be reading one paragraph only. And I will ask Leon B. to begin reading, get us started. Good morning, Leon. Good morning, Melissa. This is Leon B., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Simpsonville, South Carolina. If any feel that as psychiatrists directing a hospital for alcoholics, we appear somewhat sentimental, let them stand with us a while on the firing line. See the tragedies, the despairing wives, the little children. Let the solving of these problems become a part of their daily work and even of their sleeping moments. And the most cynical will not wonder that we have accepted and encouraged this movement. We feel after many years of experience that we have found nothing which has contributed more to the rehabilitation of these men than the altruistic movement now growing up among them. You know, in his voice, I just hear so much compassion, so much frustration, <laughs> anger, sympathy, um, you know, and I've seen war, and I've seen the ugliness of it. And he describes the scene straight out of a war zone to me. You know, stand with us while on the firing line. He's saying, get out there on the forefront of this fight. You know, see these tragedies, these despairing wives, these little children. This was a daily work for him. He saw it every day. He said, even in his sleeping moments, in the most cynical you know, saying, you think I'm doing this for some self-interest. You know, look at what this disease is doing to their wives. Look at what it's doing to their children. Most of all, their bodies, they're killing themselves. And he ends this by saying, in his experience, nothing, nothing has contributed more to us getting better than us unselfishly helping one another. And I hear in this paragraph, we owe. You know, there's a lot of suffering out there. I saw it this weekend, this past weekend on a conference that I was on. I heard I heard people crying out, I don't have another effort in me. I'm lit. This eating thing has got me. And I just hear Dr. Silkworth, just as he told Bill when he was pulling people off the stools, giving them the preach, you know, he said, stop preaching at them and give them the hard medical facts first. This may soften them up at the depth so that they will be willing to do anything to get well. Give these medical facts first. Then they may accept those spiritual ideas of yours and even a higher power. I had to accept these hard medical facts. I have an abnormal reaction to when I eat pizza, fried foods, fast foods, cookies, jalapeno chips, curry cakes, any cakes, nuts. I'm nuts over nuts. <laughs> why, would a, I, why would a doctor, which I am, an internist, which I am, walk around with chocolate chip cookies in the big pockets of my white coat? walk into the nearest bathroom in the hospital and eat them because I have a mental obsession of the mind. 
that once the emotion builds up, the sugar calls me, and I had to have it. And I have an allergy of the body that once I ingest these ingredients, I mean, after I were to come to this desire again, and the phenomena of craving would develop, I would pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful with this firm resolution not to drink again. And I repeated this over and over and over and over. And unless this person, me, unless if I did not experience this entire psychic change, there was very little hope for me. And I'm telling you, this is the very definition of disease. And if this fits you, join us. Dr. Siltworth helped more than 40,000 alcoholics we owe. So let's join the firing line. We who have recovered and have experienced this psychic change, this spiritual awakening, we owe. And I pass with that. Uh, Thank you so much, Leon, for getting us started. Okay, before I open up the lines for sharing, I want to remind us all that although we do value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day. So if you've shared on Friday or on Monday, we ask that you refrain in order that others might share their experiences too. And with that, who would like to share? Judy K. This is Larry Larry K. Larry K. Lauren Teresa P. Lauren P. Wait, hold on a second. Before um, there was Teresa, Lauren, what Leia was the initial? Hold on, please. Lauren? Lauren A. Lauren A? Yes. Okay, Thanks. Teresa P. Um, and then I heard some other names, but I missed it. Shanna C. Shanna. Uh, so Jana? Shanna, S-H. Colleen M. Shanna C. I heard that Leah S. and Colleen, was it? Colleen. Colleen. Okay, hold on one second, guys. Let me just read who I have. I have Judy K., Larry K., Lauren A., Teresa P., Shanna C., Leah S., and Colleen. Um, And let's stop there, and then I'll open it back up. And I apologize if I missed you. Um, Doing the best I can. So, um, Judy Kay, would you please unmute, and um, you can begin our sharing. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. May I be heard? You sure can. Go right ahead, my friend. Melissa, thank you so much for your service. And Leon, wow, what an opener. Thank you so much for your service. Such an inspiration. So we're all in the trenches. We're all in the firing line. As we become recovered, we've got to keep in mind where we came from. It's amazing what Dr. Silkworth did. It's amazing what y'all are doing because there are people suffering. There are lots of people out there suffering. And all we can do is be here to be the best service that we can be and ask God every day to help us to be of service to each other. Um, Thanks very much. With that, I'm going to pass. Okay, thank you so much, Judy Kay. Thank you. And next up, we have Larry Kay, and Larry will be followed by Lauren A. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Melissa. Thanks so much for your service. And uh, Leon, thanks for getting us started. You reminded me of a few things. Um, You know, I'm Larry Kay, recovered... um, 
you know, I, I, I can relate perhaps to Dr. Silkworth, the cynicism, uh, and, and, and also let's be clear on what this specific movement Dr. Silkworth was talking about, because if we gloss over this, you know, we, we get the wrong picture. You know, Bill had his first spiritual transformation in Towns Hospital in New York, and he, and he asked, uh, Dr. Silkworth, if he could share it with still other gutter drunks, and, and, and as we know, he was able to do that. And he had followed those six uh, principles of the Oxford Group movement before he, at the time that he had a spiritual awakening, you know, complete deflation, independence upon God, a moral inventory, confession, restitution, continued work with others in need. That's the movement that, that first inspired the expansion of what, what we see as the 12 steps. You know, like Leon, I, I've, I've worked um, as a helping professional in the medical community, and I can remember, too, you know, in, in the psychiatric field, you, you know, in, in between sessions, you know, I, would, I, I wasn't getting out a, a needle. I didn't have alcohol in my, uh, in my drawer, but I needed food. I needed copious amounts of food to, to, uh, to, to tamp down those uh those the, the emotional buildup before I would meet with somebody and after I would meet with somebody and there was great cynicism I didn't really understand it and again, and again you know during the 1920s and 30s in this country he was he was among you know the first medical professionals who was convinced of the disease aspect of this that this just wasn't a moral weakness it wasn't I didn't just have a moral weakness. Leon didn't carry cookies in his, his coat because he was morally weak. You know, we had a disease. And, you know, here was Silkworth. He was on the firing line of a deadly, toxic, progressive, fatal disease, and he humbly admits his helplessness. I think I think what's you know, I'd like to tell you that in two thousand twenty things have changed completely. That there's no cynicism among the medical community. Uh sorry. Uh, that's that's not true. That's not my experience. Uh, there still is a lot of cynicism. There's there's doctors and other medical professionals that will either try to shame you know people into making a change, or more than likely they'll just wash their hands of it and and, and present some information and just hope for the best. But they know in their heart of hearts what Silkworth knew. There, you know, there, there's not much effectiveness that that we can have among people that are real addicts. And then along comes this way out. We have a way out. We're so unbelievably um, privileged to find ourselves in the situation where there's a way out of this thing. And if you apply these steps, we can have our own spiritual awakening. I'll wrap up with this. The medical professionals I know today, if they either are addicts themselves that have experienced a spiritual awakening or have maybe close family members or friends, that those people then become convinced. We need more people need to recover so that we can convince the medical community. So grateful for this program. With that, I pass. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you so much, Larry. Thank you. Okay, Lauren A., you'll be next, followed by Teresa P. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning, Melissa. Thank you. Uh, thank you for hearing my voice. And it's been a while since I've been on this line live, and I'm uh, real grateful to be here. Um, one of the things I thought of when, when Larry was talking about the, the cynicism still exists, what also exists, unfortunately, is a, is a lot of um, misinformation and lack of information. You know, I, I tried to find a um, treatment center for my grandson, 
and and everyone I called said yes that they um, they do encourage people to eat sugar in moderation, and that to me is just a horrible um, situation. You know, it's like telling a, a a drunk that you you should just have one beer a day and you'll be fine. So so there's a lot of um, misinformation, as I said, and um, <clears throat> not just cynicism, but there is also recovery. There's hope, and and we're we're in charge of um, of carrying on that hope. I'm passing it on, and I'm just so grateful for Dr. Silkworth and Bill W. and all the other people that contributed to to this book and to the recovery that that we're um, privileged to be a part of. Um, you know, a lot of things could have happened differently, but they didn't. Um, Dr. Silkworth was humble enough to realize that he didn't have all the answers, and that you know, medical science didn't have all the answers, and he listened to Bill W. and I just feel like oh. We are we are the uh, beneficiaries of his um, of his humility, and I'll I'll pass with that. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Lauren A. Next up is Teresa P. And Teresa will be followed by Shanna C. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning. This is Teresa P. A recovered, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater, and. What a delight it is to listen to another passage in the book. Uh, and it's a delight. Well, actually, it's painful. It's uh, a firing line. It didn't clue into me, but I've known for uh, a long time that this whole uh, disease is a war zone. And it just, you know, I get to describe it as that I've described it to a number of people. No, actually, I haven't described it myself and my husband, basically. But, yeah, the war zone. Um and I've been in the war zone all my life, which is, you know, about 70 years and as far back as I can remember, you know, losing one battle after another, lost another one, lost another. Even when I seem to be winning, like, oh, I'm, you know, not eating, you know, I'm controlling the food. The day inevitably came when, you know, I relapsed and overweight, the over, you know, powering um, urge that. Um, session of the mind for some whatever reason I would eat and then the compulsion would kick in and eat to sickness over and over and this is the the message that I can share with another you know recovering compulsive overeater and you know the dis, the despair and uh, the lack of understanding and you know but I get to remember too that you know even though I can share it, doesn't mean they're going to listen. Or even if they listen, that they get it. Because, you know, I didn't get it for years. Um, Well, actually, I didn't get the message because the medical professionals that I went to uh, didn't have it. They tried to help. They did the best they could with what they had. But then I was busy lying about my problem because I didn't know what my problem was. And even if I did, I, I did a lot of lying. And, you know, and I get to accept my part in this disease. And, and, uh, and, and what it is, is, what I get to do today is just be in the present, you know, feel my feelings, realize that this is a deadly, deadly disease that drags me to hell, literally, and everybody else in its clutches. It is merciless. And what I get to do today is to keep coming back to recovery and to get that 
recover, 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 because the disease is rampant in my home, and, you know, there I am, in my family, and, you know, there I am with, um, you know, with loved ones who have medical conditions, you know, and they can't control their eating. That's what they, you know, I couldn't. Nobody could separate me from the food. And I just need that spiritual spiritual experience from God. This is a war zone. And the only hope that I have is a power greater than me. And the way I get to that power is through this program of Overeaters Anonymous, especially this for you because it's, it's a big book. Hi, my friend. Thank you. The, this book message is clear. And what I get to do is just follow the big book. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Teresa P. Okay, next up is Shanna C., and Shanna will be followed by Leah S. Good morning, Shanna. Good morning. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for your service. And uh, for those who have shared, what keeps coming um, to my mind is, uh, I'm Shanna, again, gratefully recovered. It's a miracle for my life, compulsive eating. yeah, what keeps coming to my mind is my own experience, my own thoughts toward food. Um, having been in another recovery program, I can totally identify with so many maybe who who have shared and, and thought of how, you know, the big, big, big addictions, you know, the, the drugs, the alcohol and stuff, and, you know, understanding that those, those are really, really, really lethal. And, of course, I don't want to do that. And I'd recovered from from those addictions and other programs, there's this lurking notion for the longest time. And what my mind would tell me is food's just not that bad. You know, just be grateful you're alive. Um, And, but I can looking back at, you know, after having taken inventory, you know, you know, my experience and things, food was there before I ever picked up any of the other substances. Um, And just how insidious, food was for me and and I did not realize just how dangerous um, it was so I identify so much with with the people who have shared and how this big book talks about the the certain substances even within the food that that trigger this allergy this phenomenon of craving um, where I absolutely cannot stop my experience has shown that time and time again um, and the mental obsession, and my, what my mental obsession looked like is food's just not that bad. My God, it's just food. Now you can do this. I mean, everybody around you overeats. Everybody around you's eating this way. Blah blah blah. Um, and I've even gone to medical professionals myself, um, asking, you know, like particularly during pregnancies and things. I even and, and, and the guy, you know, how can I how can I eat to make sure that you know I'm taking care of it? Well, just eat normally was what he would say. And I remember thinking, this is long before recovery, I remember thinking, how do you do that? I don't know. You know, and I, you know, years later, I had to go see a gastroenterologist for all of the digestive problems and things I was ha- having. And I'd even shared that, that I was a compulsive eater and there were certain things I couldn't eat. He was like, well, can't you just eat normally? You know, I eat this, I eat that. And I'm like, man. But I'm so grateful for those um, in the medical profession who who understand this disease and um, that there is a true physical component to this, 
that once I put that uh, substance into my body that I cannot stop um, once I start and grateful for uh, the steps that has enabled me to um, give up that mental obsession uh, through the guidance of my higher power. That's all I got. Thanks. Thank you, Shanna C. Thank you so much for sharing. Next up is Leah S., and Leah will be followed by Colleen. And I didn't get your initial, Colleen, so when you come on, you'll tell us the initial of your last name. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Melissa. Thank you so much for your service. This is Leah S., recovered and very grateful in Brooklyn, New York. So, oh, wow, what a powerful paragraph. And as I started in the doctor's opinion, um, I had had already a couple of days at least um, of abstinence behind me. And, uh, and, And then when I saw the word psychiatrist, I said to myself, yeah, yeah, this is so intricate this this entire thing of dieting and yo-yoing all the time that they did have to bring us someone who is a psychiatrist into this uh but when i started applying myself to this paragraph i realized i don't like to remember what i was like and how 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 my little children used to cry, but mommy, please, mommy, again, mommy, and I had no patience because why I was thinking about when is this diet going to end so that I can have my next fix, and um, uh, I needed to apply myself to this uh, to this big book in order to find what everybody else is talking about, that not only will they stay stopped, but there will be so many parts of their life that will so drastically change. And so, yes, the rehabilitation, that's what it meant, the rehabilitation. And all these people, this altruistic movement, without anything... I can call them any time, and they can direct me. And I can do whatever um, whatever needs to be done in order to find that freedom, that freedom of the, the, the craving of this allergy and the freedom of, of, of staying stopped and not even wanting to have another bite. This was so unbelievable to me. And as we will continue, we will understand what this craving does to us and how it is so cunning and really insidious. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Leah S. Next up is Colleen, and then we'll open up the lines for sharing. Um, Good morning, Colleen. Could you tell us the initial of your last name, please? Yeah, hi. I thank you for your uh, service. My name is Colleen M. from Maryland. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater or recovered. And, uh, you know, I just was moved to share this morning um, as a medical professional who does this on a daily basis. Um, 
and seeing, I could really relate to how Dr. Silkworth must have felt. Uh, not only that, uh, growing up in a home with an active alcoholic and an active compulsive overeater, living that through my childhood and then growing up and, um, you know, becoming those things myself um, and seeing that in my family uh, and presenting this, you know, process of a disease to people on a daily basis and watching them just glaze over the desperation of wanting to to hear that there is, you know, an answer to our problem. And then, you know, when we present the answer, uh, you just see people's faces drop because, you know, what I wanted to hear was that I could eat whatever I wanted and stay thin. And I wanted to be able to drink whatever I wanted and not become an a-hole. But it's, I found that to not be possible. And, um, I have such a respect for this disease um, and what it has, what it can do, and the ravages that it causes. Um, I have such a desire to pass it on to others, but you know, I'm not in charge of when people get it, and I have to not let myself become cynical uh, because it's difficult to do this on a daily basis and to have the answer and to know the solution and know that it works and watch people. No, thanks, but I'll, I'll try something else. There's so much out there. Uh, it's so enticing to, you know, I'm just going to try this next bad diet. And and you see them six months later, and they're heavier, and they're more depressed. And it's, uh, it's a difficult, you know, path to walk. And, you know, Dr. Silkworth must have been thrilled to start seeing people recover and, you know, change. And just the change in people, the change in myself after losing... 120 pounds and being freed of this disease, um, you know, and it's not even the weight loss, it's the, it's the spiritual connection, it's the peace, it's the lack of self-loathing, it's getting up every day and not hating everything about yourself, and, um, you know, I want to give that to everyone I meet, and you know, I don't know where the seeds may be planted, so I keep planting the seeds. I had a, a colleague tell me the other day after we spoke several times that she now recommends OA to her patients, which is, you know, phenomenal. Um, so we have, to keep, we have to keep getting the word out. We have to keep telling people about this. Um, and then it's in God's hands as to who gets it. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if we want it. It doesn't matter if we need it. It only matters if we work it. Um, I really enjoy you guys. Thanks for being there for my me and my recovery. Have a great day. I'll pass. Uh, thank you so much, Colleen M. Thank you. Okay, so before I open up the lines again for sharing, I'm just going to remind everybody that um, if you've shared on Friday or Monday, we just ask you to hang back so that others might share their experience too. So who would like to share? Lisa B. Lisa B. Joni C. Linda D. Joni C. Linda D. Christina J. Christina J. Who else? We have time. Andrea S. Andrea S. 
one more. Michelle M. Michelle M. Carol O. Carol O. Carol O. Okay, we're going to stop with that then. Great. All right. So I've got Lisa B., Joni C., Linda D., Christina J., Andrea S., Michelle M., and Carol O. And Lisa B., good morning. Good morning, Melissa. Thank you so much for your service and everyone that's here. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I do spell my name L-E-S-A in case anyone wants to reach out to me. This is such a powerful paragraph. Um, I wanted to try and share my experience and how I relate to these words. Um, I love the word despair. Well, I don't love the word despair, but that's what I felt, you know, and despair is a lack of hope. And I really had a lack of hope. I did not believe it was possible to recover from this illness. I grew up in a family where addiction was present. My my brother was a drug addict and I used to always think, you know, that's the, that's the real addiction. That's the hardcore stuff. But it wasn't until I really saw the seriousness of compulsive overeating that it's no different. I had to give it that same seriousness and the arrogance in me to believe, because I'm also an AA, that I could, um, you know, categorize my alcoholism as different. That today I know a chocolate chip cookie and vodka, they're one and the same. It's merged into one. So if I pick up chocolate chip cookies, who am I to say, well, I'm going to be able to control and not have vodka because that's different. Like that's me saying that it's, it's a separate, it's, it's all the same disease, you know, it wants the same thing. Well, the despair that I felt when I was standing in an AA meeting and someone told me about a vision for you, it gave me chills down my spine because I knew at that moment, if I didn't act on this and get on that meeting and take action, that I would go down to the depths of the sea like nothing I've experienced, that the binges would be unrecognizable, that I would be just really in a whole nother solar system, and that I could actually also pick up alcohol. Today, I know that they're both just as equally the same. But you know what I really want to share is about this altruistic movement. So when I got on the line and introduced myself as a newcomer, I received so many phone calls and some people would rattle off to me what they require as a sponsor. You know, well, you need to get a food sponsor. You need to do this. You need... I, my head was spinning. I couldn't understand anything that they were saying. It wasn't until I met someone on the phone that shared with me in a very slow way what she was like what her eating was like, where it took her, and the despair that she felt, because that's, what I, that's where I was, in despair. I didn't think it was possible to ever recover from this, and I needed to hear about her despair, but yet her voice rang with freedom and happiness and joy. And, and I love the pace that she took me through. Now when I read the chapter Working with Others, I realize that's what she did. <laughs> she took me through the way that chapter instructs us to. So today I have accepted this movement and it's inside of me this movement is inside of me and it can come out and I can try and be useful I love what was shared earlier about ego deflation that's the key that was the key so with that I pass an entire abstinence now I'll pass thank you thanks so much Lisa B okay next up is Joni C and Joni will be followed by Linda D good morning Joni 
Joni, press star one to unmute. This is Joni C. from Minnesota. Can you hear me now? I sure can. Good morning, Joni. Go right ahead. Uh, I uh, I just had a relapse on Saturday and Sunday, and um, I'm just so grateful to the program that it wasn't as as bad as it could have been. It was only two days. It could have been way worse. I've heard of years relapse, and I'm just so grateful, and especially to Vision and to God. And that um, Monday morning when I listen to the meeting, I get back on track and pull up my bootstraps and, and listen and learn. So with that, I pass. Okay, thank you so much, Joni Say. Next up is Linda D, and Linda will be followed by Christina J. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, Melissa. Hi, everybody. Hang on, let me turn the fan off so you don't hear. I can't find the fan. I hope you can hear me. I'm Linda D. I'm in Meriden, Connecticut. That's right in the center. And I'm recovered. Um, yesterday was the anniversary with uh, for uh, six years and eight months, and that is miraculous. Of uh, uh, the last, I did weigh 276. I weigh 132 or so. And uh, so, why am I here? I'm a success, aren't I? Well, it's God's success, and I do the footwork. And when I woke up this morning, my head was filled with misinformation. I think that was one of the themes that I heard today. And the misinformation is that I know what the plan for the day is. Well, I had, I thought, very good ideas, and I was pretty damn sure this is the way I start. And I felt this knife in my gut, something's wrong. So I sat there and I talked to God, and better still, I listened. Because after a while, with the transformation that takes place, I know there really is a God, and I know there really is a God inside me. And that, that truth will come out if I will just sit still and not panic about whatever because we all know what's going on in the world, and holy cow, that's a lot. So uh, I did listen, and I'm on my way out the door unexpectedly in a short while. And, well, so what? Well, the thing is, when I came into the program, I was shattered. I was 38 years old. I'm 76 now. So I've been in the program at least half my life, just about, and I had no God. I was positive. That was one thing. I had the big book, and uh, before OA fell apart in this area of Connecticut, I certainly had uh, contact with people, and a step, we did step work and all of that, and it saved my life. But uh, I had a lot of um, doubts. It was lip service with God. But I acted as if I'm not going to say anything and rock the boat. I want people to like me. But pretty soon, because this disease is progressive, I had to find that God, and I was scared beyond belief because I was sure it wasn't there. And the, the, the church things that I was raised in were good, but they weren't me. 
and what am I going to do? So somebody said, talk to the air. Just act as if. Put set aside. And you know that worked. It floored me. Over time, I was told to look for coincidences. You're talking to this whatever it is that you don't even think is real. And before you know it, coincidences. And you follow them like the breadcrumbs with Hansel and Gretel. And you do all the things the program tells you. And what do you know? It's many years later, I'm in visions. And that crystallized it. The information that was missing is here. And a lot of the misinformation was from the very old, okay, the very old OA. And now it's clearing. Thank you. I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Linda. Jay. Thanks for sharing. Next up, we talk Christina J. And Christina will be followed by Andrea S. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, Melissa. Good to hear you on the line this morning. And wow, what a great bunch of shares. Christina J. from the state of Washington here. You know, I was, uh, I understand what the doctor's talking about as an addict. Um, I was born into a war zone when I was a baby. Uh, there was physical, sexual abuse, yelling, constant yelling, things flying across the room, a um, complete, uh, overblown, restless, irritable, and discontent uh, existence, and, and, and it was full-blown in this house full of addicts because everybody was an addict. Everybody was using something. My mother was deep in the food. My father was a deep sex addict. Uh, my sister grew up throughout all this to become a meth addict and eventually died. Uh, my brother smoked cigarettes and is completely insane. Um, and this continued into my first marriage. I got away from all that. But my husband was an addict, and I was a food addict, not knowing it at the time. It ripped my family up, my marriage. Uh, it ruined relationships, like this doctor is telling us. Uh, I used, just like everyone else, to try and survive. Um, but, you know, I have to tell you that God has had my back the whole time. He's not allowing me to die in this disease. Uh, he guided me to this program. But, in fact, no doctor, no diet, no therapy, um, and even no program can solve my problem. But what this program can do is guide me with these steps and tools that are incredible to connecting with this higher power that will walk with me every day and help me to survive life on life's terms. Because life, you know, sure, I had a pink cloud many times in program, but that's not life. Life is the ups and downs. We have feelings. We have buttons that still get to be pushed. We still get to continue to recover on an emotional level. But what do I got to help me? I'm developing this intense, wonderful relationship with this higher power within me. And, you know, I have to give it away. And I have to give it away uh, before sponsoring and after sponsoring and in sponsoring. I have to give it away every day in the grocery line, in my husband with the hugs. I have to give it away when we have little tits and I have to, tits and tats, and I have to, uh, you know, make amends and with everybody. This is, this is life. This is how we survive and we don't go back to the food. I understand what the doctor's talking about because I'm one of those that has been in the war zone. And... Um, you all have, you know, if you're new on the line, you can get there. It takes what it takes. It's taken me quite some time to figure all this out. But what today, the most important thing in my life is this connection with this higher power. Not only within myself, but within all of you and our relationship. And we call and we understand and we have compassion 
a friend told me, you know, she was back in the food and my heart broke. My heart broke. And when I hear people on the line, they're back in the food, they're back in the addiction, I crumble inside because I under- I'm going to finish up. I understand what it feels like. And um, hugs to everyone. Love you all. And thanks for letting me share. I pass. Oh, thank you so much, Christina J. Okay, next up is Andrea S. And Andrea will be followed by Michelle M. Good morning, Andrea. Hey, good morning, and thank you for being there for us today, Melissa. This is Andrea in New Jersey watching miracles, shaking my head in disbelief, even still, even, (laughs) this is still happening, these great, great tectonic shifts. Um, So this this doctor gets it, you know, our great benefactor. He he gets it. He gets that there's this physical allergy, and as a psychiatrist, is willing to lay down the the lay down the the uh, black and white of science to something that's not able to be proved. I'm I was lucky. I was lucky. They as as the child who always overate and couldn't seem to get enough. Um, I was lucky in my 30s. I'm in my 50s now. In my 30s, I had a doctor, an endocrinologist, who told me, "Look, you're wired differently." She said some of us, because she's one of them too, she said some of us actually had something called insulin resistance. It means that our body doesn't soak up our insulin uh, efficiently. So we're always eating more and more carbs so we get more insulin, but we don't soak it up. So it's this vicious cycle of having too much insulin in our body, but our mind is telling us we need to eat more carbs because we don't have enough insulin in our body but we can't soak it up. So there's like this, this gap of my body not knowing what to do with the insulin. Um, and, you know, like I said, I was a, ch- a child overeater and was setting my body up, or my body was set up, it wasn't my fault, for this chain reaction of eating more and more carbs so that I could get the insulin my body needed that was already in my body. Um, so when the doctor told me this, you know, I, I realized that, that that child who asked her mother, please, please, can you put like a chain on the cupboard with a padlock so that everybody else in the house can open the cupboard, but I can't. Because I knew that I was powerless, even as a child. I was so desperate to not be eating and overeating anymore. And my mom just looked at me like I was crazy. Um, but the relief from the blame. This doctor, when I was in my 30s, said, it wasn't my fault. My body has a physical condition. So I was one of the lucky ones who was told what we all already know when we do our own investigations to get to our food plan. Um, No more shame, no more blame. And I went and I told everybody, all my cousins that used to look at me when I was eating at the family get-together, like, oh, my God, Andrea, you can put it away. Um, I told them so that they could understand that I wasn't to blame. I felt so relieved. Yay. Now I know how to eat. Now I know low-carb diet, not low-fat. Low-carb diet is for Andrea. Okay. But I couldn't follow it. It wasn't until 15 years later when I found program that I realized what was missing was a spiritual connection to my higher power, to God, to guide me through these uh, the buildup of human emotion every single day, every single hour some days. Um, 
to make sure that I'm connected to okay, thanks. To make sure that I'm connected to God to guide me through how to eat. I had the physical allergy diagnosed. I was lucky. And I needed program to show me the rest of the way. With that I pass. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Thanks so much, Andrea. Okay, so Michelle M and um I don't know that we're gonna have a chance to get to you, Carol O. So I apologize, maybe you'll stay for the second hour and you could share that. Uh, good morning, Michelle. Good morning, my name's Michelle M. I'm recovered in Colorado. I so appreciate everybody who's been on the line today and this wonderful service that we have that we can use to stay recovered. I'd like to speak about the tragedies. Uh, I found myself giving an anesthetic to a man I didn't recognize um, in a critical surgery uh, who was a member of my OA home group. And he uh, died uh, not soon after that surgery from the complications of our disease. This is a killing disease. I don't stick a needle in my arm and quickly succumb, and there is no drug that I can stick in my arm and um, reverse the um, effects of what my substance does to me. But there is a way out, and I didn't understand it for so many years. I thought everything would be medical could fix me. So I had gastric bypass surgery, which surprisingly did not fix my broken brain. And it had me keeping peanut M&Ms in my pocket of my scrubs while I'm giving an anesthetic to deal with the human emotions and the feelings I was having during my work day. This only made me crazy with my blood sugar going up and my blood sugar going down. I was a raving lunatic, difficult to deal with. And I didn't understand how broken my mind was. But this book, this way of life, we have been given an opportunity to have a new way to live. I no longer have to suffer from the humiliation and the um, un- unbearable craving that drove me. This textbook shows me the way by putting down my substance, which seems unthinkable but very doable, putting down my substance, relying on someone to shine a light on what works, finding a higher power that can lead me out of darkness into a new way of living, a new design for living. And with that, I am immensely grateful for the desperation that led me here. For all of you on the line, thank you so much and good morning. I pass. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Michelle. Um, Much appreciated. I believe we're just about, um, yeah, we're about out of time. So, um, okay, so thank you to everyone who shared. Um, if you could please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today's meeting, today being August 11th, the 7 a.m. meeting, the share ID is 15135. That's 15135. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. We'll mark the Z. Please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thanks, Good morning, Martha. Good morning. Um, This is Martha C., gratefully recovered outside of Philadelphia. 
Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.